Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where leave that crack in your window open. That little stream of air won't hurt you. So don't fight the feeling, because it's draft season, baby. And the Lakers are going prospect picking at number 17. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I am joined by a very special guest, hailing from the No Ceilings Draft Collective on Twitter, Albert Gim graces us with his presence to share with us some of his in-depth knowledge into this year's draft class and who the Lakers might select in the first round. But before we get to Albert, if you haven't already checked it out, we did an early off-season deep dive in our last podcast episode, episode 480, To Be Continued, where we talked about the Lakers' cap situation and got into our early MLE free agent targets. So check that episode out. And the episode before that, episode 479, Pickpockets, we also did our own intro to the NBA draft and talked about three particular prospects Lakers fans may want to keep an eye out for. So check those two episodes out. Moving forward, we've also got several more draft-related pods coming up leading up to June 22nd, draft day. We're also going to put out a draft day trades pod with all the trade concoctions and hypotheticals you could dream of. So we are pumping out the Lakers off-season content at a rapid pace, and if you guys appreciate our work and what we do, please consider showing your appreciation by rating and reviewing us five stars on the Apple Podcast app, or simply find us on the Spotify app and hit that five-star button at the top of our page. We would very much appreciate it, as it's really the only thing that helps keep this show running. Now, if you would like to support us monetarily in any small way, you can also visit patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. And for as little as a buck, you can get exclusive content from us as well as some early listens as well. But yeah, with that said, let's turn it over now to my very insightful and long interview with Albert Gim of No Ceilings as we run the gamut of prospects in this year's 2023 NBA draft from a purple and gold lens. So my interview with Albert now. All right, so today we are privileged to have on a brilliant NBA draft mind, deeply embedded in the trenches of the draft Knicks Twitter sphere, Mr. Albert Gim of the No Ceilings NBA crew, No Ceilings NBA podcast. Albert, welcome to the Lakers Legacy podcast. Thank you for hopping on. How are you doing this time of the year? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well. Really uh, excited to be on today. Uh, We are the No Ceilings NBA 
collective, we'd say. I think we're up to 10, 12 writers. I can't even keep up anymore. Um, but yeah, we're at uh, noceilingsnba.com if you're, if you're interested in us. But I'm um, really excited to be here, talk some draft stuff, talk some Lakers stuff. I'm ready to go. Sweet. Well, we're glad to have you on. We were supposed to record this podcast a little earlier, but, you know, I got bumped down by some dude named Taylor Hendricks, whoever that is. <laughs> uh, but it's all good because Albert is here now to share some of his deep draft insight with us all. Uh, Albert, you already kind of got started with it by plugging no ceilings. But if you wanted to, you have the space now to tell the good people where they can find you guys, where they can find you specifically, and what type of content you guys currently have out. Obviously, it's about the draft, but I hear there's a shiny new NBA draft guide that you guys have available to all right now. Absolutely. So um, as I mentioned before, we're at uh, noceilingsnba.com. We pump out free draft content five days a week. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. You can just look up No Ceilings NBA, where we're posting all kinds of stuff up there, whether it's player highlights or player interviews or different breakdowns that we're doing, um, is where you can find us. As you mentioned, we just draft. Oh, we just dropped our 2023 NBA draft guide, uh, which you can purchase on our website through the whole Big Cartel thing. Um, it's only ten bucks. Uh, pretty reasonable reasonable price, I think. Um, we've, we broke down 60 different players, um, really deep uh, breakdowns. I think the total, in terms of the PDF that you're going to get, it's 18,000 words, 120 pages. As I mentioned, 60 different prospects. You get player bios, backgrounds, pros and cons, uh, prospect chemistry, all that stuff. So make sure you check out our website to get that guide. And also we drop new merchandise as well, t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of stuff. So that's where you can find us at, once again, at noceilingsnba.com. Uh, for myself, I'm on Twitter at, um, where am I? On Twitter, I'm at Alberto Gim, uh, T-O-E. It's a stupid username that I got when I was in high school that I just kept forever. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at GTGNBA as well. There you go. Well, support the No Ceilings NBA Collective and all that they have going on right now. Quick icebreaker for you. Um, I've read some of your write-ups, by the way, and they're all very insightful and equally as entertaining. I especially like your references to pop culture and TV. So sort of in that same vein and you know, drawing on parallels, if you had to comp the No Ceilings NBA Collective to a draft prospect in this year's class, who would you guys be and why? Uh, I mean, this is uh, going to be an absolute homer answer for me, but I'd say Victor Wembanyama. I mean, <laughs> okay. our name is no ceilings, right? Our, our, we believe that we have the potential to do whatever the hell we want. Sure. Um, we've been in this space now for a little over a year and, um, you know, through the hard work of everybody, truly everybody on our team, um, we've made it this far and we've uh, grown a pretty good following, I believe. And we're really just trying to be contributors to the draft Twitter draft world community um, is what we aim to do and to do as much free, uh, valuable, deep analytical content um, and entertainment as well um, is kind of what we aim to do. And so uh, we believe that, you know, we have the potential to do a lot and we've shown a lot already, I believe, together as a collective. And so Victor comes to mind because Victor is um, a really interesting prospect that I got to see live uh, play a couple times wow. and um, a guy that, you know, has the potential to do whatever the hell he wants on a basketball court as well. So uh, I would go with Victor Wimbanyama. And obviously that is high praise to us, but also something that 
I, I really believe in. Sure. No, I, I love the confidence. You guys are in a tier all of your own. Um, no, but I love it. Great. So why don't we dive right into the draft talk? I guess from a macro perspective, talking about this draft in general. So I know I say this every year, but this year, this draft, apart from Victor Wembanyama and maybe like the top three, to me, this draft feels very deep and not deep in terms of the amount of all-stars or superstars that are in there. But to me, it seems like once you get past the top eight, 10, I feel like you could go so many different ways from 10 to all the way up to 30, and it wouldn't seem too outrageous. Like, what are your thoughts on this draft being uncharacteristically deep in terms of rotation players? Um, I, I think that's a fair, um, I, I think it's pretty fair for you to say that. Um, there are a lot of really good players in this class, right? But as you mentioned, like at the top of the draft, you have your names, right? You have Victor, you have Scoot, Jairus Walker, Brandon Miller, all these guys are going to be stars in my opinion, right? But you also have some really, really solid players that may not be as big or necessarily household names, but can be really big contributors one day and may also in their own right become stars as well. You have guys like Bryce Sensabaugh, a guy who was a ridiculous shooter last season analytically was unbelievable as an offensive player um last year you have a guy like Casey wallace um really really fun guard who once again he, he doesn't have the most popular name he may not be the most well-known guy in his class but is a guy who's going to offer a ton both on both sides of the floor um and then we have a lot of shooters in this draft we have grady dig with jordan hawkins chris murray jed howard right so i mean i i'm with you i think there are a lot of really solid players that are going to contribute and guys that i think we can kind of start to envision as guys that can contribute to playoff teams one day as well so i i think it's a really good evaluation on your end thanks and you know the lakers have the number 17th pick in this year's draft they also have a number 47 in the second round but with regards to the number 17th pick, this is probably the highest non-lotto draft pick the Lakers have had since, I don't know, since Javaris Crittenton or something back in 20, I don't, I don't even remember what, what year that was, yeah. like 2009 or something. Um, but at the Lakers spot at number 17, the way that combine chatter and mock draft vibes are shaping up right now, who are a few... And I know it's tough to sort of discern, but who are a few early lottery-rated prospects who you wouldn't be surprised fell to the Lakers' number 17 spot by the time the draft rolls around. And I guess we can only look at the vacuum that is the present, but when I say early lottery-rated prospects, I guess I'm saying, like, who before all this draft combine stuff was in, like, most people's top 10 that you could see falling to number 17? Um, hmm. Um, I mean, as always, it really depends on where you're getting your mock drafts and where you're getting your big boards, sure. obviously. Um, but I, I think, you know, in terms, if we're talking about consensus guys, guys that, you know, when you turn on the TV, most people have them in the top 10 or whatever. I, I think one name that needs to be mentioned that I've already mentioned is a guy like Kaysen Wallace. Mm. Uh, Kaysen Wallace, who has been pretty high on people's boards all season long, is a name that I think the Lakers should be 
circling in in yeah. permanent marker right on their boards because he's a guy who as i mentioned uh is a defensive weapon a guy who is unbelievable as a point of attack defender a guy who's a really great team defender as well um he even flashed at times some help side rim protection stuff for a guy who is right around six four um isn't somebody that you're looking at as like a he's not six ten six eleven but he's an unbelievable defender a guy who can guard multiple positions but it doesn't just end there on the offensive side of the ball too there is a real uh, high ceiling for him as well if things work out right he's been comp to guys like a drew holiday or like a malcolm brogdon or whatever and the reason why is because he's a guy that obviously didn't shoot it really really well this season but he had stretches and flashes where he did shoot the ball well enough um, who can create with the ball in his hands a really good passer um, so I, I think when you look at a guy like Kaysen Wallace who has been pretty high on boards all season long he, just because he's not the flashiest player he may end up dropping a little bit right he could be there at 17 and uh, would be a really int- intriguing option for the Lakers yeah I love Kaysen Wallace just because he doesn't do anything like you said too flashy but he's very sound and smart and the way that he defends, his body is so sturdy. He's kind of built like, I know you mentioned Drew Holiday, but for me, when I was watching him, I kind of got some Kyle Lowry vibes. He's obviously not as thick as Kyle Lowry, but sure. he kind of stands his ground defensively and offensively. And so I would I would kind of, what do you think about a Kyle Lowry-Mike Conley fusion for Kaysen Wallace in terms of like very steady point guard? You're not sure if he'll reach like great ceilings offensively or anything like that, but in terms of being an orchestrator and being able to play both ends, that's kind of like the floor general you want. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think those are fair comps. Um, the only thing that I'd bring up is just Kaysen's going to be such a weapon on the defensive side of mm-hmm. the ball where I, I don't think there's going to be much of an adaptation period for him. Um, I think he's going to transition so easily into the NBA to the next level um, as a defender. Um, He's a guy that is going to be able to, in my opinion, be able to guard one to three um, really solidly just because of, as you mentioned, he has a really great physique for his age, but also um, you talk about just the mobility uh, the IQ, um, the aggression that he plays with as a defender. It's, it's, he has some really, really special ability on that side of the ball. And so I, I, I hear you. I think Mike Conley, um, Kyle Lowry, they're, they're pretty good comps for sure. They're, they are, they are good comps. Um, but I had the, the one caveat I'd put in there is that he's such a weapon defensively that I think it, that's where you kind of have mm-hmm. a little bit of a difference, but, um, for sure. I, I think offensively, he's not a finished product at all right now, but there's so much potential there that you should feel pretty good. That's why for me, like I have him at number 13 on my board. I think if I have no problem with a team in the lottery taking him just because he has a high ceiling offensively as well sure. to go with a, an extremely high floor defensively. Yeah, and I think that's exactly the type of player that the Lakers want, sort of a plug-and-play guy, especially if it's a smaller guard type. They want someone that won't get lost defensively that they can just throw out there, right? And especially when when you're on a team with LeBron James where you have other primary creators around you, the weight and the burden won't be on him to be a primary creator. So he can just do his thing defensively while being a secondary third creator. Um, I guess you kind of already answered this with regards to Casey Wallace, but looking at other players in that same vein who may be what I like to call like the Malcolm Brogdons or Desmond Baines of the world with regards to 
like an older prospect who's maybe more ready-made to help a win-now team like the Lakers, who else would you put in that category for the Lakers' sake at like number 17? Well, I, I think first off, the the elephant in the room that we should probably, I mean, that we should mention is, um, I mean, you guys kind of have a Rui Hachimura situation, yeah. right? Going to have to pay him. You have Austin Reeves situation as well, where he's going to need to be paid. And we have a new CBA coming in. So uh, obviously the Lakers front office is going to have a lot on their mind, right? In yep. terms of how to build out the rest of this roster and to balance things out. So with that being said, I think a couple names to keep on your radar at that point, right? At 17 in the draft, I, I think a guy like Chris Murray, uh, played a couple of years in Iowa. If you, if you're not aware with of for list, for your listeners out there who don't know who Chris Murray is, that's Keegan Murray's twin brother, right? So he's a lefty. Played for Iowa. Saw a lot more usage this season with his brother being gone, and showed a ton of juice with the ball in his hands. But he's he's a sniper. He's a dead eye shooter. Who's a lefty, good size, six eight six nine, right? Um, a really smart, heady player who has proven over during his time in college that he can play off of a star. Who can play off of a number one and then also this season for io was able to show that he can also take um you know the burden of being kind of like a primary guy as well now that won't be his role in the nba so for your listeners out there the lakers wouldn't be drafting him to be like a running mate with lebron but more of a guy to complement his game um another option i think in that range uh, who just declared that said he's going to stay in. It may be a little bit high for some, but I think is totally fair is a guy like Julian Phillips from Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who really struggled uh, with his outside shooting this season. But um, if you go back and watch his, his high school tape was a guy who could really, who I thought was a really good shooter, um, really good form on his shot. He shot it well from the free throw line this year, which is a good sign. And one of the, one for you know for Corey and I, my, my, my co-host on the uh, draft deck NBA, NBA pod, we talk about free throw shooting being a really key. Uh, indicator for how you're going to be as a shooter eventually. And he was a really good free throw shooter who has really good length and athleticism um, should become, I think is already a really good defender should only get better. Um, In that range, the last name that I want to throw in there, because I think he's going to be there, although I think he deserves to be higher is a guy, uh, Colby Jones from Mm -hmm. Xavier. Um, he's one of my favorite prospects in this in this class. Um, I wrote about him. I compared him to Dominic Toretto. Um, but a guy who, man, Colby is a winning player. I think he's the type of guy that LeBron would love to have um, on his team. Guy that constantly makes winning plays is going to be rock solid for you defensively. Um, I got to interview him twice uh, during this cycle, and you know he talked so much about defense being you know, the, the, his main priority on the floor, but offensively as well, he's a really, he's as a really strong handle, a guy who can be a secondary creator for you, really good float game to him, improved leaps and bounds as an outside shooter this past season. And currently as he's been working out in Miami is working on his off the dribble stuff. So once again, a complimentary guy who's going to offer a lot of different tools for you, just a lot of versatility on both sides of the floor. Um, I, I think Colby Jones would be incredible for you guys if he if he lasts that long at 17 and I think he actually will so if you guys walk out of the draft with um, Colby Jones there that'd be an absolute win in my opinion yeah I love Colby Jones just because when you watch him play he doesn't have very many glaring holes if at all I guess it would have been the three-point shooting but that sort of came around this year and if you just look at the mechanics of his jump shot it looks very fluid and I know there are 
some common comments for Colby Jones that like pop out here and there. And I, I kind of agree with them, but what are your thoughts on the aspirational comp for Colby Jones being like this Josh Hart, Malcolm Brogdon fusion? Because to me, that's sort of what I saw in terms of, oh, this guy likes to rebound. He likes to defend. I saw him locking down like Jordan Hawkins and chasing him across screens and whatnot and locking down Cam Whitmore. And then on the offensive end, he's doing a little bit of primary creating himself, like running the pick and roll very solidly, pulling up for mid-range jump shots, hitting a three. So he doesn't do anything flashy. He's not like too explosive or too quick, but he kind of fits that Josh Hart, do-it-all utility kind of guy. No, absolutely. I, those are actually some names that I listed in my piece um, for comparisons. Uh, the list that I put, I said Alex Caruso, Josh Hart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon. You know, I, and the reason why I chose those guys is because I, I think that's what he's going to be. I, I think he's going to be a guy that create that contributes to a playoff team, a team that can play in the conference finals. I think he's a guy that could play major minutes in a conference finals one day, one day, and it's because of what he offers on the floor with his intellect and his IQ, his feel for the game, uh, a guy who is a developing offensive player, already a rock-solid defender that can guard multiple positions. Um, you know, a, a guy like Brogdon is a really good comp because Brogdon, six-man of the year, really big contributor for the Celtics until he got hurt, and obviously things changed for him there. But a guy like Derek White, right, game-winning plays, a guy who was contributing to success. Josh Hart was huge for the Knicks playoff run, making it into the second round. A guy that I love is near and dear to my heart as a Knicks fan. Um, I think these are all great names and guys that I think – that Colby Jones is looking at and he, and I feel like he feels like he can be that type of player. I, I wouldn't say he's like a five tool all-star Derek, Derek Jeter type, but a guy that has a little bit of all five tools, right? A guy who has a little bit of this, a little bit of that can offer a lot to you and can just, a guy that you can rely on. And once again, like I think if you're an NBA front office and you're looking at players, you know, in this range, you're looking at add guys that could potentially contribute to your team in the playoffs, in big moments, uh, in a conference finals, in the NBA finals. Right. So I, I think Colby Jones perfectly fits that mold. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. Now, before we move on, I wanted to touch really quickly on Chris Murray. So Chris Murray is 22 years old. I guess he technically could have come out last year as well but decided to stay a year longer. So his stats looked very stellar, like 20 points. I think he averaged like 1.7 blocks or something, rebounds a little. Um, he seems very boring to me, though. <laughs> um, can you sell me on Chris Murray a little bit more? And like, it, it's tough, right? Because the Lakers, like you mentioned, have Rui Hachimura. They're probably going to have Jared Vanderbilt. Like, where would Chris Murray necessarily fit into all of that? Mm -hmm. And Chris Murray, like, what keeps him from becoming just like a, another Trey Lyles in the NBA? Um, well, so to answer your first part, I, I think the biggest difference with him and Vanderbilt and Rui is that he can shoot the ball. Um, he can absolutely shoot the ball. And on top of that, he can create with the ball in his hands as he was able to show off this season for Iowa. I, I think he's going to be a rock solid defender. And so I, I get it with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was one of my favorite guys, but you, you watch him in the playoffs. Uh, they stopped playing him. Uh, the reason why is because he, he, he became a guy that the defense started to ignore, right? Rui was a guy who was able to contribute a ton for you guys defensively with his physique and his build, um, was able, it was guarding Jokic uh, for a good amount as well. Um, so the difference with Murray is that he may not be 
as good as a defender in terms of because his physique isn't at there necessarily, but he has great size, great length. I, I think he's going to become a solid defender for you guys, but not for you guys, but for anybody in the NBA, but it can also really shoot the ball. And not only can he really shoot the ball, but he can create with the ball in his hands as well as a good passer. So for me, the thing with Murray is that eventually he could be a starting three. Uh, could even be a starting four, right? Depending on the roster, depending on the team. So I, I, I would say he, he's more of a complete package than the other guys that you mentioned. So he may seem boring, but if you if you really turn on the tape and you start to see what he did for that Iowa, Iowa team last year, you'll see that there's a lot more to him than he's getting credit for. Okay, so he's kind of like what we saw from Rui shooting-wise in the playoffs, where Rui's hitting like 40% from three, but throughout the course of a regular season more so. Yeah, and he's a, he's he can be a movement shooter, a guy that you can run off pin downs and shoot. I, there's a lot to him for sure. For sure, I think my only concern with Chris Murray is maybe his explosiveness athletically. But outside of that, it seems like he has everything else in terms of length, size, shooting ability, creation ability, etc. Really quickly though, I'd say I think one of the most overrated skills in the NBA is athleticism. Like sure. I, I understand that front offices are always looking for the 1% guys, but it, it, you watch the playoffs and you, and you see the guys that are playing all the big minutes. You see a guy like Max Struess and Cody Martin and what it, it, it's, it's, you want the guys that can really play the game and know the game more than can jump through the roof, you know? And you would consider Chris Murray as one of those types of players. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, my last question before we take it to break is there another player who you feel like is especially being slept on in this draft because of their age? So I think for me, the one player that I've kind of gotten drawn into has been Trace Jackson Davis. He's like 23 years old, but then I'm watching his tape. He's so athletic. I'm looking at his stats. I'm like, oh my gosh, he does everything. He's like this weird, like John Collins, Julius Randle fusion. He can't really, he doesn't shoot jump shots. Although, you know, his like draft combine tape will tell you otherwise, but when I see Trace Jackson Davis, he's all, almost one of those like jack of all trades, master of none sort of guys at the six nine forward spot. And I'm wondering why isn't he more of a lottery pick consideration outside of just his age? Um, I, I think it might simply be that. Okay. <laughs> um, you watch. I mean, TJD last season. Like you, you look at the blocks block percentage the stuff that he was doing was just unreal um some of the playmaking stuff that he showed last season crazy um you want a guy that plays hard that plays with a ferocious energy then you should definitely go grab uh trace jackson davis so i'm with you um we had no ceilings we're big fans of his game um i wouldn't go so far to say that he's like sabonis but there's a little bit of Sabonis to him, um, lefty that can pass a ball, that could pound inside, that you can kind of run your offense through. Indiana ran a lot of stuff through TJD last season, so you can see that outcome. Now, once again, it's not a one-for-one one comp, but uh, if you're looking at comps, I, I think that's one you should throw in there. So I, I'm with you. I, I think Trace Jackson Davis is a really, really good basketball player. Um, you look at the advanced numbers on him, and it, it's unbelievable. So I'm with you on that. I think Trace Jackson Davis is one of those guys. For me, if I had to pick like one of the older guys that's getting like nailed for that, um, I'd probably say like Jaime Hawkins Jr. from UCLA, mm -hmm. uh, one yeah. of my absolute favorite guys in this class that I thought should have came out last season. A guy I've seen play live 
10, 10 times already now. Um, a, a really, really good player. I think he gets slighted because, you know, he didn't take as many threes, but I trust me, it's not because he can. It's partially part of the role that he played last season. He was asked to create a ton. I know he had Tiger Campbell with him and Amari Bailey and stuff, but he was the main guy. And so he's an absolute technician in the mid range, a guy who is going to be a rock solid um, versatile defender for you can even rim protect with at times with just he's such a smart player really really athletic player that people don't talk about enough because he doesn't necessarily play that way but he's a freak athlete who got to show it off at the combine um, I, I think Jaime Hawkins Jr. is a guy that deserves to go in the first round but may actually end up going in the second yeah, so let's land on Jaime a little bit. He's from UCLA, so a lot of people in Los Angeles know him well. I feel like he would be a solid trade down into the late first candidate if he's still there, right? He's To me, I know he got a 39-inch vert at the Combine, which makes you raise your brow a little bit. I know in high school, a lot of his like reels were like him yamming over people. Um, so I think he has that athleticism to him. Um, to me, when I watched him play, he's just very sturdily built and strong as well. He's got like those thick tree trunk legs. And even at that, he's still running the pick and roll very savvily. He's a very smart, high basketball IQ player who can do a little bit of pretty much everything. And this may seem like low hanging fruit. And I haven't watched a lot of Jaime Hawkes. So obviously, this is just through my very newbie lens. But when I watched him play, I was like, oh, my God, this is the second coming of Adam Morrison and Luke Walton. Again, low hanging fruit. But if, you, if, if you've ever seen Adam Morrison play, like he just has like these old man shifty moves in the mid range where he can just rise up for contested Jays and just hit them. And then obviously he can hit threes. But the Luke Walton comes in. Oh, Jaime is a really good passer and he has really good vision as well. And also Luke Walton was a pretty sturdy guy, you know, could grab rebounds and defend as well. So that was kind of, I know people are saying Gordon Hayward, but for me, because I'm a Lakers fan, I was like, Luke Walton and Adam Morrison, put them together. I, I know when both were playing for the Lakers, I was like, I wish you could fuse both these guys together. And I think you you get that with Jaime Hawkins. But any last words on Jaime? No, I, I like everything that you said. Um, I, I think my thing with Jaime is I just think he's criminally underrated. Um, he's a guy that NBA teams, when they turn on the tape, I think they'll re be really impressed. And when they get him in the gym, I think they'll be even more impressed. You know, as a credential media member for um, UCLA this past season, I got to see him up close on the floor, stood next to him all the time. And he has a he has an NBA physique. Even when I saw him in Vegas last year for when they were playing against uh, Gonzaga and Chet Holmgren and them being on the floor with him then, he just, his body looked like, um, Gordon Hayward and he was in college and he had gigantic shoulders huge chest just an absolute NBA build and he was still in college and I think you know coming in he's going to be ready for NBA basketball I think he's going to be strong enough he's really smart um, a really really smart defender a guy who can switch on to smaller guys and fight to stay in front of them as well uh, good feet good anticipation there, there's just so much to like about him I, I think the one the thing that I wrote about him, I was like, you know, maybe he's not the best with screen navigation, but that's okay. I mean, he was asked to do so much offensively that I think, you know, it could have been just he was tired at times. Really good rebounder as well, which is an underrated skill in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Awesome. So let's take it to break. When we return, we'll pick up the pace a little bit and just go through center, wing, and guard prospects. And then I'll have you give your prediction of 
if you were Rob Palenka or Jesse Buss, which which player would you take if everything shook out the way you wanted to at number 17? So we will catch you guys after the turn. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, so we are back to sort of filter it down a little bit more and distill it to more specifics. Let's talk about the center class really quick because it's pretty dearth in this first round because it's pretty much Derek Lively, Adem Bona withdrew and is going back to UCLA. There's James Najee. But this class, as deep as it is in other respects with regards to the guards and the wings and whatnot, it's lacking in bigs, it seems like, this year. Although there are other bigs in the second round, obviously, who may be had. But what are your thoughts on the center class? And if at the Lakers' number 17 spot, I mean, do they have a shot at Derek Lively? Or at this point, do you think like he's moving up so much? And then if not Derek Lively, would James Najee be too much of a reach at 17? Your thoughts on the big man in general? Sure. No, I'm with you. I think, you know because Victor's all the way at the top, you almost kind of don't even think about him, right? Ever. Um, He's just kind of in his own bracket, but um, I'm with you, you know, like I I think a guy like Derek Lively, who I have, I think he's 20th on my board now, um, but he's gaining a lot of traction. And I, and I think it makes sense, you know, considering his size, his athleticism, the role that he'll be asked to play in the NBA. He's a really intriguing prospect that could very easily go in the lottery now with, you know, how he's playing during workouts right now and flashing, you know, hitting 14 corner three pointers in a row and stuff like this, this stuff starts to get fun for NBA executives, right. With his profile and size and all that stuff. So I'm there with you. If he's there at 17 and he's someone that the Lakers are interested in, then I, I think it's totally fair to take him at that spot it's not too high not too low in my opinion James Nagy though at at 17 I actually have no problem with that Um, my reason for being for for that is that when you turn on the tape with Najee he's an absolute freak Um, a guy who physically is ridiculously strong already but his athleticism you want to talk about athleticism he's a freak athlete a guy who I think his role is going to be very defined in the NBA, of course, um, you're not going to be throwing him the ball in the block and, you know, letting him go to work and cook down there. He's not that at all, but he's a guy that if you want a rim runner, a guy to set good screens, to rebound, to defend the rim, Najee's your guy. Um, he's, he's a huge, huge human being with real NBA strength and athleticism. So to consider taking a guy at 17, in my opinion, is not too high because I, when we're talking about the 17th pick of the draft, you're kind of 
open to anything, right? You mm-hmm. can grab a high ceiling guy. You can take a high floor guy. It doesn't matter. With Najee, I, I think the type of defender that you're going to be getting and that type of athlete at that size um, is a worthwhile bet at 17. So I, I'd have no problem with the jet, with the uh, the Lakers going there with him. Um, other than those two guys at that spot, I feel like it might be a reach with anybody else. Like Bona, if he stayed in, I, I would have been okay with the Lakers taking at 17. But, you know, a guy like Clowney, I think would be too high for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I think those would be the two names that if you're looking at center should be targeted in that range. And I think with Najee, he's pretty young still, right? He's one of the youngest too, but he's already playing for like FC Barcelona or whatever. He's playing limited minutes, but I mean, if you're playing on a professional club at that age, that's pretty impressive. And I think for me, when I saw Najee, just speaking on pure defensive terms, if I were to compare Derek Lively to like the Tyson Chandler, Mitchell Robinson mold, when I see Najee play defense, I see more like Dwight Howard, Clint Capella mold in terms of Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like he can stay on the perimeter a little bit better than Lively can right now. Shuffle his feet a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'd say so. I'd say so, but, but I, I wouldn't. Yeah, no. Um, but it's interesting. I, you know, I like both. That's why okay. I, I really do like both. But yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that. Yeah, but I mean, the measurements are still there with Najee in terms of what six ten, seven foot five wingspan. So it's incredible. <laughs> and when you see him, if you see him in person, he looks like an Adonis out there, right? So. Um, what are your thoughts on Muhammad Guy? Is that his name? He might be there for the Lakers in the second round. He's intriguing because he's a very mobile big man who has pretty good shot mechanics. Like a lot of people have described that he seems like he's moving like a wing out there. I know he's super raw, but do you have any thoughts on Muhammad? Um, for me, I, I don't want to be too harsh, um, but just not a guy for me. Okay. Um, yeah, it just feels like he doesn't really know what he's doing on the floor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times. Um, but once again, hey, if you want to take a bet on a guy like that in the second round, for sure. Absolutely. You can. Uh, that's your prerogative to do that. I, if I was the Lakers GM, I would not do that. Uh, I, I think there are going to be there's going to be some real value guys in the second round in this draft. Um, but I yeah, I'd stay away. But also I get it. I get it. If if he's your cup of tea, then absolutely in the second round with the what you, you said, the 46 pick. Right. Mm-hmm, that's totally fair. Totally fair. Sweet. Okay. No, that's a fair assessment for sure. Um, Let's move on to the wings. There are a lot of wings, so we'll just try and call it down. But in this range, I mean, the Lakers can go so many different ways. And some of these guys may be categorized as tweener fours, but, you know, you've got the Gigi Jacksons of the world, the Bilal Koulibaly's, although now he's rising. City Sissoko, Ryan Rupert, Bobby Clintman, Max Lewis, Omax Prosper. Out of these potential three and D-ish wings, like who would you feel like I mean, it's tough to say, right? But for as far as the Lakers are concerned, I guess you're looking for more of a, yeah, there's a little bit of a ceiling here, but also maybe he can help out now. Like out of those prospects, who would fit that mold the best? Uh, for what you described, it definitely would not be Gigi Jackson. Yeah. Um, I I mean, yeah, like he's, I would not touch Gigi Jackson um, in that range. And that's just me. I know there are a lot of Gigi Jackson fans out there, but for me, you watch Gigi Jackson and my, my co-host Corey Tullaby, he said it best. Um, if you wanted a player to go out there and take every shot that you don't want them to take, that'd be Gigi Jackson. Um, absolute nightmare at times. So uh, he would not be my guy. I think Koulibaly is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Guy who's really, really young, who took some time to develop the season, but is going to be a terrifying defender with some real shooting upside, can do stuff with the ball in his hands. I, I think Koulibaly is a really interesting name, but – 
for me, the top guy would be Maxwell Lewis. Um, I've had Maxwell Lewis okay. at, in my top 10 at times this season. I think right now I have him at 13. And it, it's because I, I think he's going to be just an unbelievable shooter. Uh, another guy that I got to see play live and up close. Um, when I was on the floor uh, during pregame stuff, watching him shoot the ball was unbelievable. Like he just straight up refused to miss. Um, a guy that, you know, has really developed as a ball handler with his playmaking. I wouldn't go so far to say that he's a number one playmaker right now, but a guy that has grown a ton in that area. I think defensively he still has a ways to go, but he also improved in that area as well from last season to this season. So I, I think Maxwell Lewis is a guy that is a really intri- intriguing name at that 17th spot because I think he has the talent to be a guy that, would be mentioned higher in the draft, but he definitely could be there at the 17th spot. And if the Lakers took him, I, I think he'd be a really interesting project. He's had a weird developmental track when kind of an unconventional took the unconventional path to where he is now, but a guy who has a ton, a ton of talent. Um, the last name that I touch on that you mentioned would be CD Soko played for the G league ignite this year. Another guy that I got to see play up close uh, live as well. Um, during warmups was, you know, really working on his outside jumper, uh, which was good to see. And I think it's something that he's got to continue to work on. But defensively, a guy that you're going to like a lot. His playmaking is really, really fun. A guy that likes the home run pass, uh, who's really good at transition as well. So I, I don't know if the Lakers would be interested in that type of project right now. I think they'd be looking for somebody a little bit more established. So honestly, I think all of those guys would be a little bit of a risk for the Lakers. Um, if anything, I think Chris Murray's more of a, like a ready-made, ready-to-go guy than all those guys. But, you know, of the names that you mentioned, I think Maxwell Lewis would be at the top for me. So for Maxwell Lewis, like clearly offensively, he's pretty polished. He can do a lot of stuff with the ball. Like you mentioned, he's a great catch and shoot three-point shooter. I heard there was defensive concerns with him this year, though. Is that something that you feel like will just round into form like default by going into the NBA and like being in that sort of regimen? I I won't I won't say he's a good defender because he's okay. not, but um, he did improve, and I think that's what's important, right? When we talk about development and growth with you know prospects, it, growth is never linear, right? One of the oldest sayings uh, in the book for anyone who's been into the draft, um, but. The fact that he showed growth this season as a defender, the fact that he was more competitive on that side, that he was working more to move his feet better, to flip his hips, all that stuff, using his length. Um, now, were there moments, right, right off ball and stuff where he got lost a little bit? Absolutely. But, you know, you get him in an NBA program, NBA coaching, NBA, NBA setting, I do think there's potential for him to get better. So I won't say that he's a good defender right now because that's a lie. However, the fact that he did show improvement in that area makes you optimistic about that. Sure. And he's definitely got the measurables to stack up with potentially being a good defender. And I think he measured out pretty well. He was like six, six, six and three quarters, like without shoes. I was like, oh, so this guy's like six, seven, six, eight, maybe with with shoes. Um, So, yeah, he's a very interesting prospect right out of Pepperdine. Now, would you think that right at this point, if the Lakers took someone like Omax Prosper at 17, would that be somewhat of a reach or? (sighs) So it depends on who you're talking to. Right. If you ask, you know, someone like um, Maxwell Bomback on our on our site or, you know, some other people, it wouldn't be too high, I think. But no, I, I'm 
I, even for me, like I don't know. I, I don't think 17 is too high. Like I'm of I'm of the like the the school of thought where at 17 you can take some risks. You can kind of do whatever the hell you want, right? Because you're kind of in that weird zone where it's not a really high draft pick, and also it's not a second round pick either. I feel like you have a lot of freedom to either make mistakes or go safe, or you can kind of do whatever you want. And I think Omax is a guy that from day one is going to offer you a ton on the defensive side of the ball. Um, a guy who during the combine was able to flash a little bit more on the offensive side as well. It's going to shoot a ton of free throws. Right. So I, I, I don't think it's too high for him. Some people may think it is, but at 17, I just, I, it feels like a low leverage pick. Right, like a low intensity pick where you're not too worried about who you're taking there, and I think Omax is with his size and his his measurables is a guy that's really intri- intriguing and a guy that the Lakers might be into. Yeah, and his his motor never stops is what I really like about him. He really tries out there. Um, moving on to shooters in general, so Lakers at number seventeen, they've got a couple options. They've got Jordan Hawkins, Jet Howard, Julian Strother, maybe Bryce Sensabaugh. Um, out of those guys, or if you want to toss in any additional ones, who would you say would be like, yeah, the best shooter for the Lakers to pick at number 17? And do you think Grady Dick could fall to that spot or no? Um, I think Grady Dick can even fall farther. Oh, okay. um, is what I'm thinking. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that he should, but I think it's possible um, just because there is a pretty good amount of shooters uh, in this draft. Uh, for me, I actually have Jet Howard in my top five. Um, which uh, is, I understand, a hot take for some, but I wrote my piece on Jed Howard back in January, I believe, and I've had him in my top five since. And my reason for that is I, I think he's, he's number one, he's an absolute dead-eye shooter, a guy who can shoot off movement, a guy who can shoot off the dribble. Um, he has an unbelievably tight handle for a guy his size. Um, it, the flexibility and the movement stuff to him is really, really great too. Uh, he's not a uh, bulletproof prospect though obviously he had his struggles on the defensive side of the ball Uh, he didn't rebound the ball well at all however uh, he did struggle with ankle injuries all season long from what we've heard through sources it's something that he struggled with kind of all year Uh, even talking with Taylor Hendricks he mentioned that you know the the ankle stuff was real with him so obviously that hurt his stock a little bit and obviously hurt his play um, at the end of the at you know second half end of the year but in terms of straight up ability and talent, I think Jed Howard is a top five guy and a guy who I've kept in my top five kind of all season long. Um, not all season long, but since probably, you know, December, January range. So if he's there at 17, the Lakers should absolutely pounce on him because he's a guy with really, really special ability. If he's not there, Jordan Hawkins has to be your guy, a guy who literally bends the de- who can bend the defense without ever even dribbling the ball. The stuff that he does off ball with his movement is unbelievable stuff. The movement shooting is lights out with him. Um, I think that what he offers on the defensive side of the ball is also really, really important. A guy who plays really hard on the defensive side of the ball can uh, is a really good help defender as well. So, um, I think those would be your two guys. And I think if the Lakers walk away with either one of those guys, it's an absolute steal, in my opinion. Now, what if you threw in Grady Dick into that mix? Would you still go Jet Howard, Jordan Hawkins, Grady Dick like that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Grady Dick is because uh, on my board, I have Jet Howard at five. I have Jordan Hawkins at 16 and Grady Dick at 19. So Gotcha. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, lastly, at the guard spot, let's say combo guard spot. We already talked about Case and Wallace, but let's talk about Jalen Hood, Shafino, Nick Smith Jr., Kobe Bufkin, maybe Keontae George. Out of those four, who do you see still being at the Lakers' number 17 spot, and who would you be okay 
picking? So I'm actually going to throw in a different name here sure. um, just because we're hearing through the grapevine, not, nothing's, I'm not officially reporting anything, but we've heard through different sources that, you know, with Bryce Sensabaugh, there have been concerns about his knees. Um, you know, he had a knee issue when he was in high school, but Sensabaugh is an unbelievable offensive player. Um, I currently have him at number six on my board, but a guy who, if you look at his numbers, but also you turn on the tape and see some of the things that he was doing as a shooter scorer, he's an unbelievable offensive talent who I think very unfairly gets dinged for his defense when he wasn't that bad as a defender uh, in his freshman season. Um, obviously, he was a freshman and he had some, you know, not so great moments, but overall as a defender with his ability, I, he moves his feet well, really, really strong, good foundation on the offensive side of the ball with what he can do with his shot making um my my co-host Corey he he kind of calmed into a modern day DeMar DeRozan type of guy who is a good athlete he's actually a really really good athlete um Taylor Hendricks played with him in high school and was telling us that he's a really underrated athlete. Like he's so explosive and strong that he gets slept on a little bit in that kind of arena. But I think Sensabaugh, because of the injury concerns, may actually drop a little bit. And if he's there at 17, that is an absolute unbelievable steal. Uh, the second name that I'll bring up is Kobe, Kobe Bufkin. Uh, Bufkin, I currently have him at number 11 on my board, a guy who with his playmaking, with his length at that size, shooting ability, uh, defensive stuff. I mean, he has lightning quick hands on defense, works really hard on that side of the ball, who has a really, really high ceiling on both ends of the floor, I think would be a great get at 17 as well. So those are some names that I throw in there that, uh, you know, most people would are probably going to expect them to not be in that range. But could potentially actually be there and would be great get grabs there at that point. Yeah, I think Bryce Sensabaugh is such an interesting prospect because he has such like a like a thick frame to him. I kind of described him as that guy's THT if THT made every shot in the mid-range and three-point <laughs> shot that he took. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then Kobe Bufkin, it's taken me a while to sort of wrap my mind around Kobe Bufkin and why he's rising because whenever I watch him, I'm like, he seems too small. I'm not really sure what he does great. Um I know he plays hard defensively. Like, is there, because usually when I watch these players just off, off the bat, I'm like, usually I can come up with some sort of aspirational comp for them. And for Kobe mm. Bufkin, I was like, who is this guy? And then maybe I started to think, okay, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, plays both ends of the floor, can kind of do things with the ball. Is he kind of like DeJounte Murray-ish? Or like, who would you sort of, you know, shades of for him? Yeah. So in my piece that I wrote about him, some of the names that I threw in there were Mike Conley. Mm. Um, Mike Conley is actually a really good one because you know, I, not just the lefty stuff, but you know, offhand stuff, really good. Um, and, and the last guy for me, if you, for your listeners out there, if you ever get to read my pieces, I, I love to talk about my nineties guys. And the guy that I threw in there was a little bit older, Nick Van Exel. Um, oh yes. Kind of the Lakers of fans Nick know Nick Van Exel for sure. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But I meant like older Nick Van Exel, like when he was on the oh, Mavs, mm -hmm. um, less explosive, but a guy that was offering you a ton with his shooting, his ability to create with a ball in his hands, um, really heady player. Um, so like that type of player, right? Obviously a lefty who's going to offer you a lot on the defensive side of the ball, really good playmaker as well. That gets slept on a little bit. He's a really, really good passer. Um, but just truly an offensive weapon, right? A guy who's going to be able to, he's going to continue to improve as a shooter can shoot off the dribble as well. Um, so yeah, my guys were like Mike Conley, older Nick Van Exel were kind of the main guys. I, but I threw in some other names too, in terms of role, right? Like a Maxi, Tyrese Maxi kind of guy, Emmanuel quickly, D'Angelo 
Russell even, but I, I think much better defender than D'Angelo Russell. So I, that's why I think he'd be a great option for you guys because for all the things that you guys hate about D'Angelo Russell, I think Buffkin will do well on, on the floor. For sure. No, I don't hate D'Angelo Russell. I'll just be clear about that. Although Buffkin is a very good finisher as well, like 70% at the rim in college, right? right. Um, but yes, Buffkin does have that defensive edge to him where he fights through anything, essentially. Um, penultimate question before we get to your prediction. Now, let's say the Lakers trade down. Lakers fans are eyeing Brooklyn's number 22 and 21, Indiana's 26, 28, Charlotte's 27. Let's say they trade down and get an additional rotation piece. Are you okay with that sort of move in this type of draft? And like, are some of the players that we mentioned, would they still be there? Like a Maxwell Lewis, um, Trace Jackson Davis, I think would be there. What about like a Derek Whitehead? Like, are, would the Lakers still be in a good position given everything that they want, they want to accomplish in a win now setting in the 22 to 27 range? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I see no problem with that at all. At all, um, as a Nick fan whose team just continues to trade back in the draft the last three, four years, which I did, I absolutely hate. Um, but you know, I, I get it, and it makes sense. I, I think for a team like the Lakers that have a lot of cap stuff to figure out in the coming year, year plus, whatever, um, it's not the worst idea, right? But, you know, in that range, there's going to be a lot of talent. A, a name that we haven't mentioned yet that I think would be a really, really intriguing option for this Lakers team, depending on what they do. Ah, just because, let's say, and, I, and I'm sure your listeners will hate to hear this, but let's say you guys don't bring back Austin Reeves, right? <gasps> um, I know. A guy like Marcus Sasser would be an unbelievable mm. pickup. Marcus Sasser is a, he's an absolute bulldog a guy who is going to be such a good NBA player. In my opinion, he plays so hard on the defensive side on the ball and on, on offense is a really, really good shooter. A guy that I think is just going to offer so much uh, to an NBA team. Um, you know, some of the comps that we've thrown around a guy is a guy like Tyrese Maxey, right? Who is just going to continue to develop as an offensive player, but it's going to offer you a ton on the defensive side of the ball. I get it that he's six two and people may not like that, but you know, I, He's a really good player, a guy that is, you know, the winning mentality type of guy that I think would be a great option. But as you mentioned, a ton of the other guys that you mentioned should be there. You know, Derek Whitehead, a guy that I don't like very much. I have Derek Whitehead at uh, 32 on my board, right? But he should be there in that range with his injury issues. He's going to be around, right? A guy like Nick Smith Jr. might even be around there that uh, we at the No Ceilings Collective are not high on at all. But I get, you know, he went number 12 in the ESPN mock draft today, which I, you know, I, I absolutely hate and disagree with but hey it happens and it things crazier things have happened before guy like brandon pajemski even from santa clara he might be an intriguing option if you guys trade down a little bit so yeah i'm with you man i don't think that's a bad move at all and there will be a lot of guys in that range still available that i think could even contribute to the lakers next season yeah including jaime hawkes who we talked about like right before the break and yes nick smith jr noah Clowney, clutch clients we have to keep our eye out for them for sure especially if the lakers trade down all right, Albert, you are on the hot seat. You are Rob Palenka slash Jesse Buss. You are picking for us. If everything shakes out the way that you idealistically want it to shake out in a semi-realistic fashion, which prospect are you selecting and why? Okay. Um, I want this to be as realistic as possible. Looking at this Lakers team, I think he's a guy that even if they don't, the Lakers don't rely on him in year one, regardless of what direction the team decides to go in moving forward, I think a guy will, he's going to offer a ton of versatility can guard multiple positions is an absolute great 
winning player, complimentary player. For me, it's Kobe Jones. There you go. Um, I think if Kobe Jones is there for the Lakers at 17, he should be the guy that you take. Um, although there are a lot of other intriguing options as well. And so, okay, let me ask you, Jonathan, who, uh, what type of player are you looking for that you want the Lakers to get, whether it's position or role or whatever? I mean, the obvious answer is three and D wing. The cop-out answer is let's just get Derek Lively because you can just throw in a center, you know, and like, just hope that he, even if he doesn't develop, he knows what to do out there because of his size. Like the obvious answer is three and D wing. But when I watched Colby Jones, even in spite of the fact that he was six, five, I was like. But this is kind of the type of player the Lakers typically like to draft in terms of they can do everything. They don't need to be taught. They just have the IQ on both ends. I mean, that's literally Mm -hmm. Austin Reeves, right? And like Alex Caruso and Larry Nance. Like those are the types of players they like to pick in these later ranges. So, Mm. um, yeah. That that that's it's sorry that was a muddled answer. No. The the realistic answer is three and D wing. Like if I'm just speaking from my heart, but like if I'm thinking about how the Lakers typically like to draft, like on a LeBron James led team, you typically want somebody that can hit the ground running, sort of. So. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I'll say Kobe Jones is a great pick. If somehow Jordan Hawkins drops, I think Hawkins would be a really intriguing option with what he can offer um, as a shooter. For sure. Um, but don't sleep on a guy like Chris Murray. I'm telling you guys, okay. I, 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 I just, he's a guy that's really good at basketball. And it's as simple as that. You know, sometimes it, you just have to look for the guys who know what they're doing on the floor. And Chris Murray's one of those guys. He just always knows what he's doing. And he can actually offer a strong NBA skill as a shooter with the size and length. And a guy who has done stuff with the ball in his hands to a really good uh, degree. I, yeah, I think he's a, he's severely slept on in this class, but I think Lakers fans would fall in love with if he ended up on your team. Yeah, for sure. Well, Albert, thanks so much for hopping on. I, I've said it before, but with regards to what the Lakers do with the 17th pick, if they move down or whatever, you could throw out a prospect's name to me and I could convince myself in this particular draft that, oh, it makes sense. You know what I mean? So, but thank you for sharing your additional insight to us. And everybody, please check out No Ceilings. Check out their Twitter, check out their draft guide, follow them throughout this process as we, you know, charge towards the NBA draft. They have been a tremendous resource to everybody on Twitter, just trying to do this cram session thing with this year's draft. So, uh, Albert, one more time, if you want to throw out your Twitter handle and no ceilings Twitter handle, please go ahead. Absolutely. You can find me uh, at Alberto Gim uh, on Twitter. We're at no ceilings NBA as well. Uh, just want to thank you once again for having me on. It's a pleasure for me. Just love being able to talk the draft, you know, and we're doing a lot of these right now, doing guest spots all over the place. But this has been a lot of fun. We're doing a lot of film breakdowns uh, with uh, NBA prospects. Just did one with Taylor Hendricks, which is dropping today, uh, which was a really fun one. We did like 55 minutes with with Hendricks just doing a film breakdown and talking about stuff, which was awesome. actually a really, really good one. We've already done some with like uh, Colby Jones, uh, Marcus Sasser, Jalen Clark, C.D. Sissoko. Um, I know I'm forgetting some, but we've done a ton and we're going to continue to do more. We have a couple more lined up as well. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, thanks again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for hopping on and we will catch you at the draft. We'll see you at the draft. Thanks, Albert. Say 
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.